1: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au
0: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.
2: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
3: Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. The great outdoors for the moment, Redmond, there's a fair chance with what's happening in Victoria at the moment that lockdown is upon us. I head off to uh, Western Australia in a bit over a week's time. It's going to be an interesting few weeks for us. Does Skype still work that far away? Skype does work, <laughs> It works here, but it, it's going to be interesting to see whether we go back into a lockdown and whether yeah. that fishing, uh, whether that affects fishing in Victoria. Clearly, other states have handled this very, very well. But we've had a bit of a relapse here in Victoria. Your take on the fishing industry and how it's going to affect it, do you think it will?
0: Something that worries me, and I, I don't know, I've got no idea what Mr Andrews was thinking, I didn't know what he was thinking a few months ago, but... What I'm going to say is... Well, you aren't telepathic, so... Yeah. <laughs> the people that are travelling, though, Pat. If people are taking it serious still, because I live in a, I'd say, a holiday destination in Victoria, yep. Ocean Grove and Barwon Heads and Point Lonsdale, Queensland it's a travelling destination. People come down the coast. Usually winter this time of the year. Not many people. It's pretty quiet. Yeah. Very quiet. Uh, I can't even get a park at the shopping centre. It's literally packed everywhere we go. Like, honestly, it, it's so packed. And... People are coming from Melbourne and the likes into our towns. And I don't know, I, I don't want to go anywhere for the reason that I don't, if I do have, say, COVID, I don't want to go there to spread it in their towns. Should people be at home? What do you What do you think? Uh,
3: well, I certainly understand the other states not wanting Victorians in <laughs> there. But I, I honestly <laughs> do. I do. I do too. Like, I tell you what, I wouldn't be travelling interstate state because it might, be, when I first went to South Australia, um, there were the rumours that sort of, you know, when interstate, Clubs would play there and people would travel across the border that, they'd, you know, they'd get their cars keyed. Um who knows? Like I I, I wouldn't want, you know, clearly there's been uh, a large uplift in cases this week. Mind you, there's only sort of eight to ten in hospital, so it's not you know control, they're not yeah. all in hospital. They're yeah. they're obviously at home and, and you know, it affects everyone differently. But yeah, keeping to your state based when it comes to interstate travel. That that's the challenge for us. Like you know, as anglers that want to head out and enjoy, especially this time of the year, if you want to head up to warmer climates, um, you've got to make that call pretty soon because, you know, it it may get to a stage where it's lockdown again and you, you're
0: not able to go and travel. Or go fishing or go play golf. Yeah,
3: so but speak- for, other, for other states, you can, you know, it's no holes barred. I'm, mate, I'm going to Western Australia. So I are about to two say week,
0: Two weeks of lockdown. Speaking of lockdown and your the footy knows where it's at, what's to go with the footy? Because one thing I do want to mention, Pat... I watched the Cats-Melbourne game on the weekend. Yes, you missed a goal from 40 out that didn't even make the distance and went left of the point post, which I was extremely embarrassed at, put my head down. A <laughs> uh, couple of messages, your mate can't kick, I just say, yes, I know. But anyway, back to what I was saying, playing the footy, the standard, I'm not, like I, I said, I'm not a winger, but the standard footy, you were explaining to me, because I brought it up with you uh, the other week, how hard is it to play in front of no one? No one, like you've got to remember that you've played in front of people your whole life. Yeah. I've played in front of people, local footy, screaming and shouting. You've got no one.
3: And it's literally like that. So MCG on the weekend, you know, I've been lucky enough to play at the G when it's, you know, just about capacity. And on the weekend, there was no one. There was not a sound. So that in itself, just it, the, the raw emotion that you normally get from a game isn't there at the moment because it's it's derived from the, from the energy you get from the crowd. So that's not there for one. Number two we had a 3 week pre-season like people are talking about the state of the game a 3 week pre-season one of those weeks we could tra- uh, we could train as a full group <laughs> and then we were back playing again and previous to that we were we were um, running in in pairs for 10 weeks so of course we, we can't compare the standard to yep. previous years because it's just been preparation like no other it's a it's a pandemic so i, I just think you know just be are, grateful that it's even there. We've just got to be so, so grateful it's, it's there. And it's, you know, it's, it's a nice edge. We've got to make sure that we're all doing a bit. And you spoke about, you know, traveling to state and all that sort of thing. So you know, that's not a nice edge for us, Vicos, at the moment anyway. You know, fishing, could, fishing could change very, very quickly. So we've got to make sure that we're doing the right thing. We spoke two weeks ago um, around the, the harvesting of um, – what species of crab was it on the um, – The uh, spider crabs. The spider crabs. You know, and you've got hundreds of people lining up next to each other, like we've all got a role to play, and you know our the the things that we love doing and the enjoyment we get from them they're on a knife's edge at the moment, so let's not take it for granted trying to um do it as best we possibly can because if it's gone, you know.
0: Things aren't, things aren't as fun. Now, you, uh, you bought a new car during the week. I did, Patrick. I uh, branched out. I uh, was rolling around in the Amarok, the V6, from Brighton, Volkswagen, and I, uh, during the COVID period, I said the other week that, obviously, they called the car back. It was a deal that we had with them, and I thought I'd support them, and they've been great to us. So, when I had actually bought the Amarok V6, and... People will say, oh, you only got it because you're cheap. I did not get it cheap, not a cent off. I paid the exact money for it. And if you anyone is looking at getting Just a car. Didn't, didn't want to go to the top of the range uh, Ford Ranger, that's fine. I should have, could have gone the Ford Ranger. Could, could you get me a deal? No. no. <laughs> I was happy. I was, now, I am very happy with the Amarok Patrick. It's a very good car, and I did purchase that. But one thing I didn't get to use during the week was the car to tow the boat because the wind
3: yeah, massive absolutely. northerly.
0: So. Yep. Uh, it was just pumping. Like I got out twice. Hasn't stopped the tuna down the southwest, southwest coast though. They've been crazy. Charter boys are. You can go out there if you're if you're looking for a charter now. And we spoke to Simon Renaldi from Red Hot Fishing Charters, and you would be. I, it's bad if I guarantee something. <laughs> you go down there. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you go down there, you can have a very good chance at landing some beautiful school bluefin tuna. Yeah. They're not big, but if you want to feed a fish and something that actually pulls a bit of line, Simon, that will drop the lighter rods out, or any of the charter guys up there, will drop the lighter rods out, and you'll have a bit of fun catching them. And the big boys are there too. Uh, we
3: are in the middle of the school holidays at the moment, Redmond, and... When it comes to getting your family into fishing, we we often speak about how great it is to get into squid. You go down the pier, um, cast out a squid jig, it's a great way to get your your young kids into fishing. Another great way to get your kids into fishing is garfish, and we're going to focus on garfish for the majority of today's show. Given we are in school holidays, uh, they're great eating, they're... If you, know, if, you, if you do it properly, they're, they're pretty easy to catch and they're a huge amount of fun.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I did a bit of this at the start of the week while I was waiting for the car to get service. On the Monday, I headed, uh, I was in, as I said, don't travel. I stayed up at Craig's place picking up the car during the week and uh, we went down and filmed for Soul Guide and purely because of the school holidays. But instead of being on the boat, I did it land-based. Now, Gwane the week before went out and did a lot of filming for Soul Guide on the boat on how to catch your gars, But the land base is such a different avenue, and it was so good to see uh, how many people, it is so good to see how many people are along. The piers doing the right thing, catching the garfish at the moment. They're not as busy as they were when the crabs were running around, yep. but there's enough space for piers right around. I'm going to call it the eastern side of the bay because my side of the bay, the western, isn't quite got as many gars, but a place like Swan Bay, just a couple of hot spots, Swan Bay around my area has been not too bad. It hasn't been that good, but like it's, you're going to get five, six... You're going to get a feed, let's yep. put it that way. Yep. Uh, Clifton Springs, the extent of that jetty last year, you've seen a lot of gars there too, but... Like I said, the eastern side of the bay. I was at Beau Morris, and I could have caught as many as I wanted. Beautiful size as well.
3: Maggots? What are you using? Yeah, so a... I'll
0: cover with the bait. What bay... are they
3: called? Not maggots. They're called... Yeah,
0: maggots and silverfish. That's what we were using. Yep. Okay. Silverfish. So you can use prawns. I know Gwane got a heap of prawns when he was boat fishing, but a couple of factors you want to do when you, when you actually are targeting the garfish, it's about finding the right ground. So when I got to Bow Morris, there was about maybe a dozen people off the... Uh, Yacht Squadron pier fishing, and uh, Gwayne, uh, sorry, Craig and I did the walk-up. and They weren't getting a lot, but they were getting a couple, and as the sun comes up, obviously the gars are going to go out deeper. So if you are taking uh, someone out to go catch a garfish, try and go earlier in the morning or later in the afternoon to our shallower piers, yeah. or go to a pier like Mornington, which extends out quite far during the day, a bit deeper, therefore the garfish are going to be more plentiful in those areas because it is deeper water. Another key factor is the ground. You're not going to tend to find too many garfish just sitting on plain sand. Yep. They need cover. They need wee beds so they can get out of predators' way. So... Anywhere you're going, make sure you have a decent pair of sunnies and I'll harp on it, sunglasses make fishing so much easier. So what I mean by that is I was walking down and Craig didn't have his makos at the time and I'm like, oh, we'll just why don't we try off here? He's like, nah, there's not much ground there. I said, I can see the ground, Craig, like I can see. It's like, how? So then he changed his sunnies. He goes, oh, geez, yeah, like, there's plenty of ground there. So we went to the boat ramp side of it, away from all the people and we actually caught more than what they were catching there. A couple of key factors when you are land-based, burly pack. You need burley now with the pilchards and the burley cages that I use for whiting. Obviously, the lead heavy cages with your pillies in there and you crunch it up. Yep. You get a nice mist coming out for your whiting. So you're just sitting that. At well, your, no. What I'm going to say is for the or? for the gars, you actually don't want to do that as such. You want to buy a plastic container, which are only a couple of bucks from your tackle world or from your local tackle store. Whatever it is you're going, you can buy yourself a nice uh, a nice small cage, I think. like I said, three bucks, and put this mesh that comes in, in it in the cage and just get a fine... You can use bread with tuna oil. You can buy packets of already made garfish burley, I'll call it, and they're just very fine mist. You don't want to feed the garfish like the pilchards would. Yep, so you, you want wanna, them to be eating your bait. That's right. You yep. want them to eat the bait. You want that to be the bigger bit that appetizes them, and they come up, and they it really, really appeals to them through that mist. Yep. And like I said before, having... Silverfish. That's all I used the other day. Was silverfish um, maggots? I oh, gross me out. But <laughs> but I had too many in the eskies back in the day. <laughs> but they, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as we all have. But they are uh, the. If anyone wants to buy some, just come to my place. I've got a freezer full of whiting uh, frames that I brought from <laughs> last week. <laughs> Save yourself a couple of bucks. But yeah, maggots you'll get from your store. You'll get uh, your also your silverfish, your prawns, even a pippy pat. You cut a pippy up into small pieces and just a size fourteen. Gamagatsu octopus hook, size 14. You need a very small hook. You can go to a 12 to a 14, 15, 16, whatever you want to try, but just a small, small hook. And still rolling the, the float on top? Yeah, or? so that's yep. what we use, the float. Now, if I could advise anything, I believe, and from experience, probably be a little bit easier on the boat, and I will steer steering clear from the boat side of it, but having one unweighted, so nothing at all, so yep. no, no float. So what I would have is a floated one out the back, so you'll have your braid coming down, then you'll have your. Uh, I'll run four to six pound leader. Don't go any heavier yeah, yeah. than that. Yep, six pound leader, and then it goes down to your. Uh, so you have a float stopper running on that leader, and then you put your float on, and then you have your ball sinker on the bottom of the float. To, so because that uprights your float by pulling it down, and then also then this then you have your swivel, and then you half a meter of leader with your small hook. Yep. So that's the easiest way I can describe it to you, over the over the old radio, Patrick. But that there will catch you plenty of gars, but like I was saying a second ago, an unweighted one, so an unweighted one, what I mean by that is you're going to, have to just have a small hook with your silverfish on it and you're going to throw it out. It's going to sink more natural than anything else and it's going to work and catch you more gars if they are there. The float's good because obviously your bait sets where it is and you can just let it drift down with the tide or whatever you're doing, but it's always good to have an unweighted one bait to, to let it drift down the current nicely and you're going to catch plenty of them and like i said a few hot spots mornington pier i know there's a few other piers along that whole eastern side fishing really really well and then you've also got like right up to bow morris like we didn't even know that were there we just went there for a look saw a couple guys fishing for them found the ground saw a couple in the water jumping so then we fished so if you do find a crowded area and you want to escape it just drive to the next pier and just just have a look Get up nice and high. Get up on the cliff or wherever you need to see to look in the water with your sunnies. See a bit of ground somewhere. Even early morning, Pat, down off the rock somewhere off Mount Martha Rocks. I'm sure you're going to catch gars if you can get along Mount Martha there or wherever you are based and you're going to find gars because there's plenty in the bay. And actually spoke to Paul Worsling during the week. He's been doing a lot of gar fishing in the last couple of weeks. He has been, yes. He reckons he's, this is the most he's seen in his life owning a tackle store. So, in the bay, which is great to see. Another thing with the gars, like you said, beautiful eating. People will say, geez, they're bloody hard to clean and the bones. No, they're not. They are not hard to clean. And we've got plenty of videos on Salt Guide if you do want to watch exactly how we do it because it's a bit hard to describe, but you can butterfly them or you can roll the roller along their back and pull Spine out also. So there, there are a couple of ways. Jump onto Soul Guide and watch those videos. They are on there. And by doing that, you're going to have some seriously good fun and actually catch a lot of fish land-based this school holidays. Got a huge episode of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. There's been tuna that have appeared off the Mornington... Crazy. Kilometres out. Mornington Pier. Big tuna. What size? Acres. Oh, well, I just saw... It. Schoolies? I'm not going to... I think they must have been, but I was watching a video and I had to watch it... Uh, Jared Day posted it live on his Facebook while he was heading out, and he, all he was going out for was to catch garfish. The poor bloke didn't have anything that could handle a tuna, not even in the slightest. I think his heaviest line he had was six pounds. But he was out there, and he was live with them jumping. Now I don't know if it was a dolphin or that was a barrel tuna, but <laughs> I think it might have. It was a that was some seriously good fish jumping in Mornington off Mornington. And I haven't heard if they're still there, but there's plenty, plenty of fish going around in the bay at the moment. Considering it's winter and how many people are fishing, it's a great time to get on the water.
3: Queensland is there's no take period of snapper and pearl perch, which is running from the 15th of July to the 15th of August. If you want to join in the conversation, make sure you join in. At on our Real Adventures social pages on Facebook and Instagram. Huge episode of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. See you after the break.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to
3: Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club where we take your questions from social media. If you want to join in the conversation, make sure you shoot us a message on our Facebook and Instagram sites at Real Adventures Show. First question, Redmond, is for you. It's from Barry. Uh, there's been so many people catching garfish around the bay at the moment. Do I need a super light rod, or can I use my whiting rod
0: to catch them? I didn't actually mention this. You can the use start it, of the you show. can use a net if you go at night. <laughs> well, you can. You can go dip netting for them. Which you, is do c- you ever go dipping? At oh, night. I, don't, I think I, I've spoken about it on the show a couple of times. I like to do it in the little tinny yeah you know, I need, I need yep. to actually uh, get the real adventures boat off you at some point and make the trip up to steal it off you because I, uh, I need to uh, go out and do this, but it's colder in winter to do it. It's very yeah. happy, not that appealing to go wading knee-deep cats, dipping gars and you, you, obviously you've got to be mindful of where you, if you're going to do it
3: around waves or I, we did, used to do it in South Australia all the time because obviously um, unless it's really blown up with wind, um, it's perfect because there's no swell
0: in there. Well, that's the key is to no wind. No wind, because yep. as soon as you get a little bit of wind, even one or two knots, the light just reflects off the water movement. And you can't see it. You can't see anything. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yep. Off track again, Patrick. We never do that. <laughs> <laughs> what rod do we uh, – So back when you say, what rod – whiting rod to catch them? Yes. So that's all I use, my whiting rod. I would not be buying a different rod. I think I run – I've got a few whiting rods. Between 10 to 14-pound braid is what I run on my whiting rods. And I had no dramas land based the other day. Uh, during the earlier in the week, catching them on whatever pound braid it was. It would have been 10. So just run your 6-pound leader. If you are worried that your whiting rod's got a little bit too heavy of braid on it, just run an extra couple of metres of that light 6-pound mono if you think it's not laying that nice in the water. So there's a few ways to get around it, but I wouldn't be buying a different rod. The, they're obviously not going to be too strong for a whiting rod, but, they are. yeah, they work perfectly for me.
3: Uh, what about netting? Would you use, obviously, there's Enviro nets. There's a whole lot of different types of nets that you can use. Now, obviously, as long as the the holes in it aren't big enough.
0: So the key for a net, and I've learnt the hard way a couple of times, is to have a net that doesn't have big holes in it, Pat, but you can pull through the water because there's nothing worse than Neither trying to drag... So yep. An environment like you said, near on impossible to drag through the water at times. So I like to have a deep net because I like to get a few of them at once. So, for example, you'll quite often find that guards sit in schools of fish. You might find, if you're dip netting, you might find three to 20 of them in one spot. And if you want to quickly get them you, want them, you don't want to have a shallow net because they'll just jump out. So you want to have a deep net, you turn them in, and then you just keep netting as you go. Very, very fine mesh, that's the key to it, is so they don't fall through, but also just a nut, that, so it's a really light mesh, so you can actually drag it through the water. But like I said, the numbers of gars in the bay at the moment is amazing and great to see. Leo, boys, when fishing with pilchards, chasing barrels, how do I rig them up? I've actually had this question a lot during the week. A lot. A lot of fish, and we had Simon Rinaldi on, I mentioned him earlier, but talking about exactly about this, so if you do want to uh, listen to a previous episode with Simon covering all things tuna, down the southwest, make sure you head to iTunes and jump on the podcast and you'll be able to pick exactly what segment you want to listen to. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. You might be an Android user, those sort of freaky fellows. I used to be one of those. You did. Come from the dark side, <laughs> as you said. But uh, when you are chasing the barrels, you've need to you got to get the bite. And quite often if there's a lot of boats driving onto these bait balls and all throwing handfuls of pilchards out and... Uh, spooking the fish will call it, it's going to be harder to get the bite. So you want to drop everything in the water, you, you want to drop everything you have in the water to as light as you can. And that comes from removing snap swivels, it comes from removing crimps, it comes from whatever you need to do to get the bite. If I'm out there by myself on a rougher day, which is how I tend to fish, is try to fish as much as I can with me being the only boat out. Yep. That's just how we tend, we tend to not miss often when we go out on rougher days because the traffic isn't there. But I will just run a normal and leader, so I'll use a snap swivel with a nice 1.2 metre length with a big... Uh, 9-0 Big Bait Circle on it. And I I know everyone nearly are using straights, but I've caught four-barrel tuna in Victoria on pilchards, and uh, all four were on circles, and I haven't dropped one yet. So it's worked for me, but you're more than welcome to try the live bait hooks as well if you do want to run a live bait hook as such, tuna live bait hook. So there's a few different ways, but going back to what I said, you can buy a 100-pound wind-on, or you can buy a 150-pound wind-on. And the reason I'm saying wind-on is because you know. Cut the where the swivel attaches. You want to cut that, and that's where you're going to put the hook. So you're not going to have your snap swivel from your wind-on that links you to your leader line. You're just going to run a straight wind-on, which gives you, yes, enough, fish, enough line to work the fish up if you do need to lead it up, but also it's not going to have the snaps and that to make the pilchard sink unnaturally, and that could get you the bite that others aren't going to get. And the crimps at the end of the hook, you can also just tie your hook on if you really want to. To get rid of that crimp as well, to have a natural fall in the pilchard. So it depends how technical you want to get. More people fishing, the calm, of the weather, more technical, get rid of the stuff in the water. The rougher it is, where it doesn't matter as much, you can go pretty simple, like I have in the past. For more info, head to sockguide.com.au. Aaron talks through all
3: things rigging when it comes to chasing barrel tuna. Ray, I've noticed a lot more people fishing now than ever before during winter on the whiting in Port Phillip Bay. I'm finding it a bit harder than usual to get my bag. Well, not everyone's, not everything's about bag limits. <laughs> you'll, you'll like this question. Um, any tips on how to get myself more fish? Yeah, you are. Uh, from Ray, selfish bastard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, poor Ray. I like Ray. Give me a message, Ray. Come with me. Uh, Ray, yeah, you are right. There is more boat traffic on the water than I have ever seen in my life in winter. And the reason for this is obviously COVID played a little bit of an effect on that. Pat, what do you reckon? Just a little bit? We well, weren't allowed <laughs> out for 10 weeks. So people have gone mad because we weren't allowed. Were I still haven't been out. It's killing me. You're not allowed. Yeah. Are
3: you Well, no, you I'm, allowed? I'm allowed, but I can't fish with you. you it's got to be... Um, you know, out with people that are in the same sort of... Household. And I i, I don't like my teammates. <laughs> <laughs> You're not helpful on the boat. Oh. Last time I took Ray Stanley out, he snapped me rod. I don't even know. Anyway. So I, don't I don't even
0: know what to say after that. That's good. Um... No, no, we know where the cats are heading this year. Okay, but in <laughs> <Northwestern> Australia. Oh, <laughs> well, you are. So <laughs> <laughs> off track again. But uh, yeah, it is been a little bit. It has been a little bit harder due to the boat traffic, but not in a bad way. I've definitely found fish amongst boats when there's a patch of fish in an area up at St. Leonard's down at Queenscliff, we've all fished together catching fish, if you want to be the person catching them, you've got to do the right things so burling, you've got to have burling at the right time I talk so much about this and I'd take up another 10 minutes if I had to do it again and you've probably all heard it before so burling at the right times fishing by yourself as much as possible and what you'll notice in, with, when I do my salt guide areas to fish for the week I quite, I, I often put different marks in the same area and the reason for that is St. Leonard's is an area where if I give you a mark down at Queenscliff, you need to be on those marks. St. Leonard's is an area. Those fish could be there. They could be there. They could be there. They're in sand holes, just moving from sand hole to sand hole. So you need to be smart. You need to be active. Anchor up. burly. give it 20 minutes, 15 minutes. If you don't get a fish, just move over 20 metres. And then you you might land on those fish. I'll give you a hint as well. If you see someone catching fish, Pull in front of them, drop your burley and you'll drag the fish up because the fish always drag up. So if you ever see me fishing in front of you and I steal your fish, that's what happens. But you are, yeah, you are right. There is a lot of people. It's been a little bit harder, but I still think there's plenty of fish there for everyone to catch. Uh, enough, uh, okay, a bag limit. I like that. But you need to just be a little bit smarter and at times get away from the boat traffic, especially on the with the weather that we had prior to this week.
3: Tim, last one. Uh, what product do you use to keep your wind sque- winds? Winds green clean the spots are killing me I can answer that one for you go uh, rainex rain it is your favorite yeah if you've got a hard top you can't beat rainex but even if you don't if you've got a runabout and you want to you still oh, want it's the clean, glass like yeah. keeping that glass clean
0: yeah you spot on rainex is all I've ever used it, uh, you, we've we've reviewed it we've spoken about it nearly on every second show I reckon because I love the product so much you yep. just you just put it on you, you get your windows clean you put it on and then just wipe them down, do it a couple of times and then if you go tuna fishing, you'll be able to, the water just reflects off it. If, you, if you're whiting fishing, you don't want to get cold and windy if you're in a small runabout and you want to sit down and look through your window because quite often the water will stick to your window. So use the product and you're going to be able to have much more vision when you're rolling around Port Phillip Bay or down at Portland trying to catch a tuna.
3: All right, that wraps up our... Social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot into our real adventures social pages on Facebook and Instagram. It's now time for our dream boating destinations, and don't listen if you're from Victoria because Lake Macquarie at the moment is probably slightly out of reach, even though you can. I'm not sure how, uh, how welcome uh, necessarily Vicos are interstate, but you it's, could get shot. <laughs> it's roughly an hour's drive uh, north of Sydney, uh, with a service area over 110 uh, square kilometers, making it the largest coast. Uh, saltwater Lake in Australia at Redmond. So there's a huge uh, and massively wide range um, of fish species that you can chase, and clearly it's such a uh, it's such a pop- popular recreational fishing spot. But Mulloway, Brim, Dusky, Flathead, Taylor, uh, Squid, Luderick, Sand Whiting, uh, we've been through it before, Redmond. We haven't fished there for a long period of time. We fished in Harvo for a couple of weeks, probably two years ago, um, and that was only only for Brim but if you had a couple of weeks to spend there or at least a couple of days certainly worth uh, chasing fish there.
0: Yeah 100% and there's numerous places to stay you've got the Ingenial Holidays Lake Macquarie you've got Caves Coastal Bar and Bungalows you've got Rafferty's Resort and so you head up there you're not going to be short of accommodation and not only fishing Pat it's a nice place to go cruise and there are cruise charters around the lake that you can go and look. Uh, it's, like I said, it's a massive lake, 110 square kilometres. So you can do an afternoon sunset cruise and just go there for the scenery and not just the fishing also, Pat. So Lake Macquarie is our dream boating destination for today. Certainly is. Plenty more Real Adventures after
3: the
2: break. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy.
3: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to the Dometic CIB 26 cooler bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures. Now, Salt Guide pro angler Gwane Blake joins us now. For more info on Salt Guide, head to saltguide.com.au. Good
0: morning, Gwane. Morning, guys. So we've got the G-Man on today to talk all things Western Port and a bit of offshore because winter, Most we've spoken about earlier in the show, Pat, most people put their boats away this time of the year, but this winter is... Or, or, or they head into All Or state. they head somewhere warm, yes. But they are they are more people fishing on Port Phillip Bay, Western Port and in the ocean. So, Gwaine, options that we're going to be targeting in Western Port and offshore, take it away.
2: Okay, so we're getting to the bottom of our downward cycle temperature-wise, so the temperature's near on flattened out. So we get a cycle where probably around about four weeks we have no movement in water temperature whatsoever. So that's the hardest part to fish the bay. But what we do is we've worked this out over years of fishing is we fish down south towards sort of anywhere south of Sandy Point in that sort of lateral line. Anywhere down south of that, we're going to have warmer water currents coming in from the ocean and that's where your fish are going to be feeding better. So anywhere down south at the moment, you're going to get gummy sharks, um, occasional whiting, squid, and the start of our snap fishery is the fish to start moving in the bay. But the main thing is probably most people have woken up to now is fishing offshore. So our predominant winds this time of year are actually from the northwest because our land's warmer than the ocean. So the, the, that warm air rises off the land and actually runs it, sorry, opposite way around. The, the warm air rises off the ocean and the air comes off the land. To replace it so our predominant winds are that way which means we've got perfect protection under all the cliffs and stuff like that offshore and the offshore fishing just gets better and better we've also at the end of the cycle where all crustaceans now change their shells so um, crabs crayfish all those sort of things change their shells and they become soft and it's about two weeks what was they're actually In a stage where they're they're very vulnerable, and the big gummy sharks know this and they come in and feed on them. So, the actual offshore fishing, inshore, offshore, sort of that sort of anywhere from one kilometre to three kilometres offshore in the 25 to 40 metre range is unbelievable fishing for gummy sharks this time of year and school sharks as well.
0: Gee, man, something we've anyone that does follow. Wayne, on his social media pages, Instagram and Facebook, you've been catching uh, some super large calamari in the past few weeks.
2: (laughs) Yes. That's probably the biggest squid I've ever caught, to be honest. Um, So we started getting a few as we're sitting at anchor on the gummies, and I thought the other day, I said, let's go out and actually try and target them. Instead of just catching them as a bycatch, let's go out and try and target them. So we went out and we designed a rig that we can actually get our normal style squid jigs down to the bottom very fast and be able to drift on these reefs. So we've ended up catching squid now up to 4.4 kilos which has blown my previous record by Great. over a kilo. So we ended up with a bag of squid a bag of 10 squid and that was over 30 kilos. Oof. So it, yeah, crazy and They're really good eating at the moment because they're actually still growing very fast offshore because there's so much food out there. You know, you've got all the pilchards and stuff like that, but even down on the bottom, you've got all the parrotfish, barber perch, all that sort of stuff. So it's really easy feeding for them off there and hunting, and that's why they grow so big and quick out there.
0: Something that uh, sets... The, the state on fire and crazy is the snapper during the summer periods, especially you, Western Port during that a little bit earlier than Port Phillip. You're more that September, October than Port Phillip follows. But in the coming weeks, you're going to see some seriously good snapper being caught through Western Port, aren't you, going
2: Yeah, so they're going to be coming in both entrances. So we've got the Western entrance down between um, the Nobbies and West Head at Flinders. But you've also got the little entrance, the eastern entrance, where it comes under the bridge at San Remo. So we actually get two stocks of snapper. We get the snapper that comes from Wilson's Prom, that seems to come a little bit earlier. So they come up from the east, and they go through the eastern entrance. And then we've got the western stock, which you guys would share with us, which comes from Portland. And at the moment, I've been catching a few snapper down the entrance, on the, on the western side, I haven't had a look on the east yet, but I'd say the east they start to stack up. And the eastern entrance in particular is quite shallow and small. So the fish will actually stage out the front and they'll sit there for a couple of weeks and then they'll actually come in on the moon cycle. So they they actually come in on those big full moons, those big, big tides in that sort of first morning tide and they'll race up the bay. And then once they get up the top of the bay, it's... Sort of working out those bite times because the top of the bay now thinks about nine degrees compared with the ocean, which is 13.5. So once the fish sort of get up the top of the bay, they sulk for a little bit, and as that water temperature comes up again, then they start firing up.
0: Now, a species that I love to catch, you love to catch also, but tends to be a little bit harder in Western Port at times. But I know there's a couple of places you can head down south in Western Port is the whiting guano like some beautiful fish down south. Is that where you're going to be fishing or would you push up at all at times with certain tides or where would you be targeting these whiting?
2: So if we get any big swell and dirty water, we'll actually fish tortoise head bank still. But mostly now, well, the majority of the, the stock have left because Western Port gets so cold, like I said before, like nine degrees. So the majority of the stock's left, but there is some resident fish and they'll hang around and they'll come up out of the deep and, go up on Tortoise Head Bank in the dirty water, but anywhere south of Bentnor or Dickey's Bay down at um, Cat Bay, sorry, Cat Bay, Dickey's Bay down at San Remo, all those sort of areas that are closer to the ocean or even the ocean itself. Um, Cairns Bay is very good. Pyramid Rocks very good. Uh, Bush Rangers Bay as well. All those areas that have got like some sort of protection from the swell and they have good sand holes do hold lighting. Now, you're not going to get... Yeah, you know, you're forty and sixty bags, but when you get them, they're all as solid as your arm. They're forty five to fifty centimeters, and you know nudge that sort of nine hundred gram mark, so they're they're really good whiting. That was
0: my last question for Wayne. Just stole it out of my mouth. What size of the fish? Because obviously, down in bottom end of Port Phillip Bay, we have the same same scenario that works. The dirty water comes in, you get them further up, and then as you as you need to fish down further south to find that temperature of water. So, very similar fishing in Western Port at Port Phillip regarding the, the, uh, regarding the temperatures and your wind and dirty water. So, G Man, thank you for joining us on Real Adventures this morning, and I'm sure I'll catch up with you soon for a beer.
2: Cheers, boys. Thank you.
3: Wayne Blake from Salt Guide. Head to saltguide.com today. you to learn all things angling, really, Redmond, whether it be looking after your catch, catching your catch, it's all there. That was all aboard for Domenic, Domenic Mobile Living. Made easy. It's time for Reds Review, a special Reds review this morning. Jamie Thompson joins
0: us from Dometic. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, boys. Hope you're both well down there
1: in um, cold Victoria.
0: <laughs> we are in the old lockdown stage down here, Jamie, and I've been given the <laughs> yeah. sack today for my review. So we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> let you talk all things Dometic today. We are. Now Jamie, talk me through uh, the new release because we know
3: Dometic as a strong brand in the in the fridging department. Um, you know, supplying um, caravans right around and motorhomes right around the world but this is a bit of a different direction for Dometic and the products that that you guys supply.
1: It is, it is. So for sure so having quite a um, strong leverage in the portable refrigeration category for Dometic um, we embarked on a bit of a journey to expand our portfolio of products into the outdoor leisure category. So what we wanted to try and do is um, use that great uh, product sector that we have through Portable Refrigeration to really leverage a number of um, products to complement uh, the whole camping outdoor needs um, as a one-stop shop coming to Dometic.
3: Now, it's one thing to release a couple of new products, but it's far more than that. And the one that I really want to specifically focus on this morning uh, are the inflatable tents. Now, we've all been camping. We're all familiar with 4 million um, tent poles um, that are not only heavy but hard to store as well. This really- and a pain in the backside when you forget them at home. <laughs> <laughs> this really is, is a changing of technology, the airframe technology that is going to revolutionise the way that Australians camp and set up a tent.
1: 100% as I'm a very um, keen camper myself. There's nothing worse than having a logist- logistical nightmare with a number of tent poles and a solid argument with your wife while you're trying to set it up. So Dometics uh, really tried to take on a painted airframe uh, pole system. So basically what it means is we've um, got rid of all the poles, Um, there's no fights with the wife uh, or partners (laughs) and basically all you need to do is roll out your tent, plug in um, a hand pump that comes with your tent or you can also purchase an electric one and basically plug it in, flick a switch and sit back and enjoy a beer in your um, Dometic camp chair while it inflates itself. So pretty easy, it means that um, set up and packed out times are are really um, shortened uh, but you also have those really good creature comforts of of home um, in the tents and also, yeah, just a really easy way to set up and save you having any arguments.
3: So how much time has gone into the R&D side of, of working through uh, this, making sure that um, not only it, it's functional, but it also, you know, survives Australian conditions? Um, because I think of, when I think of a, a tent being blown up, I think it's going to be flimsy, it's going to move around, mm. um, you know, in the wind um how much time has gone into that to make sure that it's a you know it's a a product that's synonymous with you know Dometic's quality
1: sure yeah this is something that Dometic hasn't taken lightly um <clears throat> we've been working with a number of um internal stakeholders and um factories for for a number of years all over the country we first released um, these products through the UK um and, you know, although it's a new technology to the market, it's something that Dometic has um, had in its portfolio in certain different regions across the globe uh, for a number of years. So the R&D that's gone into it, we've put it in wind tunnels, we've um, stacked it up against um, small small planes, propeller planes, to ensure that once this is set up, it will stand um, the Australian climate. We've also added a, a number of modif- modifications to the tents to what we would currently release in the UK um, just to ensure that the tents that we brought to the market in Australia really um, held up in the Australian climate, especially with the the amount of um, condensation and stuff that we do encounter in Australia was something that we thought was really important to make sure that we looked at the outback and, and what we camp in in Australia and made those modifications to, to suit the Australian needs.
0: I don't think I'm going to be able to purchase one of, the, one of these because as we speak to Jamie, the only thing that I can think of is if I'm at the Murray River and I've uh, had a date with my Jamison bottle, I'm going to find myself <laughs> floating somewhere down the river and the boys push me down the river and I'm going to be floating down the Murray somewhere. that <laughs> That's all that's going well, through in my head right now. So I'm sorry, well, mate, what but you I call can't. The
1: versatile tent? See, it's got more than one reason to buy it. As <laughs> long as they
0: put a rod out the back of it with a lure, I'll drift down nicely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's that sounds good to me. And if the wind picks up, you could use as the kite sail too and surf down the river. So sounds good. Jamie,
3: thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. We'll have you, no doubt, over the uh, the coming weeks and months with a few other different product reviews as well. Thanks for coming on Real Adventures to talk talk through uh, Dominic's new uh, inflatable
1: tents. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
3: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip in the middle
0: of the school holiday. Redmen, surely it's something along those lines. It is, Patrick. And I've summed it up this show with regarding garfish and great to see the numbers throughout the bay uh, at the minute. And this school holidays it's not expensive to go down to your local tackle store and purchase yourself a bag of silverfish, which not that expensive. Or go to your wardrobe. Or go to your wardrobe. <laughs> Actually I've got a question for you. What the hell is a silverfish? All I can think of is you know those what are those sea monkeys? Well, it's not a sea monkey. I know but it's like what it turns into a sea monkey? I don't know. I've just no, I don't think
3: so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't just know. see him in my wardrobe every now and then. I'm like, geez, I need to clean it out. Is yep. it the same thing? I don't think so. We've really got off topic here. (laughs) Sorry,
0: but it's not expensive to buy a float. You don't have to have the top end rod. You can nearly do it with a hand line if you really wanted to. It's not expensive. You want to get the the kids out out of the house because, let's be honest, there's not a large amount you can do. You can't go to the movies. You can't take them bowling. You can't do whatever you want to do. So get out in the fresh air. Find yourself a nice spot along a pier or the rock somewhere and drop in a line with a nice little burly trail. I'm sure if you find a nice spot, you're going to catch garfish if you be smart about it and fish not super early, but earlier in the morning into the late afternoon. If it was me, definitely late afternoon. And with the weather we've had so far during winter, Pat, it's been... how could I know this week's been blowy, but the sun's been Wonderful. out. so we're been beautiful. We're a, bit, yep. we're a bit crappy at the minute, but let's hope it shapes back up to what we have had and we have a beautiful winter and we can catch a few fish over the school holidays. That's Red's tip. It's time for the flying gaff to finish off the show for this morning.
3: And you sent this in actually, Trapman Bermagui. We follow him on Facebook. He's uh, he's a huge amount of fun to follow. And there was a great post during the week from Tim Masroot. Yep, I sure think. Yep, that's how you say it. Eric. Anyway, he uh, he has tagged himself with a tag tagpole. Obviously, just not caught, you know not totally over the. Uh, the ways of tagging a fish, but he's managed to tag his hand. Oh, I'm just looking at the photo. It's just... <laughs> if you're interested in it, head to Trapman Uh I don't know how he's done it, but rather than gaffing himself, he's tagged himself, and uh, he's had to go into a hospital and get it removed. So, uh...
0: <laughs> Have you read the end of it? The, he goes, as for the suggestions to get the tag, num- to tag number tattooed on my ass, that won't be happening. Oh, I think you have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tagged yourself? I don't think anyone has. I reckon that's a first. It's in the middle. If, if you're trying to paint the picture at home, if you put your hand flat on the table, it is literally in the middle of his hand. Yes. And it's in there. He had to get surgery to get it removed because it actually went in between the muscles. Oh, God. Timmy, yep. you've done yourself a mischief, as my uh, power fish <laughs> friend would say.
3: <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to Real Adventures this morning. We'll be back next week. I'll be in Western Australia. Redmond, you'll be sunning yourself here in, uh, in Vico. We'll
0: you s- won't be sunning yourself. You're not allowed to leave the hotel room. We'll see you then. <laughs>